Um, tonight, he's going to be continuing um, his messages, and uh, he's going to be speaking from Genesis chapter 1, and he's asked me to read starting in verse 26, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26, page 2. I started on page 1 last night, tonight's page 2. Genesis 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit and you shall have them for food. Verse 30, and to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Dr. Rasa, please come and speak to us. Good evening. If you have your Bibles open, please, to Genesis 1. And we are continuing the creation uh, story. Yesterday we saw how God is an all-powerful God who creates by the power of his word. Uh, he creates out of nothing, ex nihilo. And we saw that he's a God of order. He creates everything very orderly in six literal days. And our response... We are called to praise God, to worship God, and to put our trust in Him. And then today, we're looking uh, at the end of Genesis 1, and then we're going to go into Genesis 2 as well. And we see that humans are created in the image of God. Animals are created with instinct, and they are created how God wanted to make them, but they are not created in the image of God. Humans, the crown of God's creation, are created in the image of God. That's what we see in the verses that Pastor Roger read. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over um, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, so forth and so on. So on the sixth day of creation, God created uh, humans. Um, and again, this expression, let us make man in our image, is the beginning of the doctrine of the Trinity. Again, it's, uh, it's a very complex uh, doctrine. We cannot, we're not going to talk about it today, but the beginning of the doctrine of the Trinity is here in verse 26, where God says, let us make man in our image. What does that mean? First of all, what it doesn't mean. It does not mean that God has a physical dimension to him. When God says 
that we are created in His image, it doesn't mean that God has a body like us. God is spirit, infinite and perfect. He's not man, male or female. And that's very important to understand. A lot of people who don't understand that misinterpret God. Uh, for example, a lot of... Uh, some Christians have decided to retranslate the Bible, and wherever it says God the Father, they translate it as God the Mother. Well, again, because it, it is true that He doesn't have a body. But God revealed Himself as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have the right to change His name to the Mother. But a lot of people who don't understand that, actually, there are translations of the Bible who, wherever it says Father, they changed it to Mother. Also, uh, false religions like Mormonism teaches that God has a body. Their axiom is this. As man now is, God once was. And as God now is, man may become. It doesn't mean that. The fact that we are created in the image of God means this. First of all, that we are created to reflect and represent our creator. That's what the imagery here, and again, we have to understand it in light of ancient Near Eastern history and culture. Because kings, earthly kings back then, could not obviously fly their jets from one place to another, and they ruled great areas, what did they do? What they did, they put statues of their likeness in different places in their kingdom, so they know who, who is our king? Well, there it is. It's a statue with the likeness of the king. So God says, I'm going to create humans that will represent me on the earth. And I'm going to put my likeness in them. Not physical likeness, as we will see in a second. But they will, they will represent me and they will ref reflect me on the earth. That's why this is very important for us. We are created in the image of God to reflect and represent him on the earth. We are his ambassadors on earth. That's why we are created, to reflect and represent our creator. Well, you might say, well, Tiberius, well, what happened in Genesis 3? The fall happened, right? What happened? Well, yeah, the fall happened, and our, the, the image of God in us was not erased, but defaced. So how do we get the image back? Well, the New Testament helps us. And we are told in uh, Colossians 1.15, Paul says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 1.3 that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. So how do we get the image back? We got to be in Christ. We got to be in Christ. And Paul says that in all his letters, you better be in Christ. If not, you cannot get the image back. That's why it's so important to understand that the Old Testament points forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. We have to understand that we have to read both Testaments to, to know that Jesus is prophesied and promised in the Old Testament. And then the fulfillment happens in the New Testament. My dear brothers and sisters... We are image bearers, and because we are created in the image of God, we are not like the animals who have instinct. We, have, we are created as rational, 
moral, spiritual beings. Rational, we have reason, we can reason, we can reason with one another. We are spiritual beings, we can have a relationship with God. And we are moral beings, we know the difference between right and wrong. I used to teach in the prison system at Michigan City, and uh, you know, it, people were there because they broke the moral law. But you know what? I never went to preach at a jail for animals. Because animals are not held at the same standard. Why? Because they are not created in the image of God as moral, spiritual, rational beings. But we are. We are. And we are created uh, to, to represent and reflect God. So if you are here tonight, if you are a human being, you have value. Not because of what you do but simply because you, you are created with the image of God in you. You have intrinsic value. That's why we as Christians say that we, we value life. Preborn, born, adult, children, old people, right? All of us, all of you, all of us have value, not because of what we do, but because we have the image of God in us. So when we talk about the sanctity of life, we mean all life. Preborn, born, middle age, elderly. That's why we have to say no to things like abortion and euthanasia, which by the way are legal in certain parts of, of the world. We are created to reflect and represent our creator. We are created as rational, moral, spiritual beings. <clears throat> God does not talk to the animals and say, hey, you guys, now we're going to represent me and you guys are going to do this. No. But he says to the humans, you are going to reflect me and you are going to represent me. And God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Was, was Adam, were Adam and Eve not understanding what God was saying? Do we see here that, God, uh, that Adam and Eve are cave men and women who are groping for understanding? No. God is speaking to them and he's conversing with them back. They are very rational, spiritual beings. They can communicate with God. We are not, my dear brothers and sisters, like the animals. God has given wisdom to the animals. For example... You know, beavers have the wisdom, the intelligence, to create a dam. Right? Who gave that to them? God the Creator God did, right? But you're not going to see a beaver on, the, on Google saying how to build a better dam. <laughs> if you do, seek help. <clears throat> but see, animals don't think about thinking. We do. Why? Because we are created in the image of God. To be that, that, those type of people that represent him. And we can reason. We know the difference between right and wrong. And we can have a relationship with, with God. We have a relationship with him. And when God commanded Adam and Eve here not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They knew what he was talking about. Please do not believe the evolutionist lie. 
that the first men and women were cave men and women in the sense that they were groping for understanding, they were grunting and all that. They were cave men and women in the sense that they lived in a cave. All you have to do is to live in a cave to be a cave man. And yeah, and they lived in the caves. But they were not, you know, half man, half ape. Why? Because God from the beginning created us in his image to be rational, moral, spiritual beings, to have a relationship with him. And he created us to rule over creation. Genesis 1, 28, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Remember, yesterday we saw that God blessed the animal world. But only he, he blesses Adam and Eve and gives them now dominion over creation. And by the way, that does not mean you can abuse it. That's not what it says. We a lot of times misunderstand that. No, it says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Because we are reflecting and representing God, he's giving us the power to rule over his creation. Again, it doesn't mean to abuse it, but to be stewards of his creation. In Psalm 8, the psalmist says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the, the sea. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. My dear brothers and sisters, God blessed us to rule over creation but also said first be fruitful multiply and fill the earth i like what alan ross said here he said for believers childbirth is an act of worship a sharing in the work of god the one who created life never call a child an accident Never call it. There's no such thing as illegitimate children, only illegitimate parents. All children, the Bible says, are a gift from the Lord. Right? And it says here again that God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Again, for believers, childbirth is an act of worship. And we have a choice as far as how we're going to rule over creation. Are we going to rule with an iron fist, with a selfish heart, or we can rule with a benevolent heart and an altruistic spirit? Remember, to rule over God's creation does not mean to abuse it, but rather to take care of it. We are created in the image of God to rule over creation, and we are created in the image of God to live in relationship at one point, God says, hey, everything is good, everything is very good, but it's not good for man to be. I didn't make that up. God said it. It's not good for man to be alone. That's why we see here in verse 7, God will take care of that problem again. 
the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So God created Adam from the dust of the earth. Now let me ask you, when God created Adam, did he create him as a baby boy? Or with the appearance of age? He was a mature man, right? Yeah, because he was able to, to have children with, with Eve, right? Yeah, the same way some people say, well, Tiberius, uh, you know, you, you said that God created the heavens and the earth and everything in six days, and yet the earth appears to be millions of years old. Well, just like God created Adam with the appearance of age, he could have created an earth, not as a baby earth, but with the earth with the appearance of age. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. And he creates us to live in relationship. And we have to, even when we look at ourselves, we have to be able to say, as the, as the psalmist says in Psalm 139, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows this very well. So first, there's the, uh, we live in a relationship with God. The first relationship Adam had was with God. And God placed him in this garden. Now, we don't know exactly where this garden was. Here are the two options. We, we know that tiger, where the Tigris and the Euphrates are. We know that they are in present-day uh, Middle East, present-day Iraq, present-day uh, Iran. So, no, we cannot go on a field trip. Sorry. <laughs> but we know that the Bible says that the Garden of Eden was between Tigris and Euphrates, and then there are two other rivers that formed the garden. So if the, the other two rivers were in the south uh, of Mesopotamia, in the southern of Mesopotamia, then the Garden of Eden is where the pink is uh, in present-day Iraq. If it's in the north, where the greenish part is, then it's in present-day Turkey. Well, we, we don't know, and it really doesn't matter. But we know that God placed them in that garden to have a relationship with him, first of all, and then, and only then, to have a relationship with each other. Then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Um, that word helper is very important. Because that word helper does not mean inferior. A lot of, a lot of people, uh, <clears throat> some people in other cultures think that uh, you have the man... And then the woman is inferior because she's a helper. I'm here to tell you that's not what it says. And I have a verse for you, especially for you ladies. If you want to memorize it, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> well, so you can quote it to your husbands. That's why. <laughs> Psalm 46.1 says this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in need. The same word help there is the same word used in Genesis 2. Same word. So it's used that God as a helper and the woman as a helper. It does not mean inferior. It does not mean inferior. I like what uh, French Delich, Frank Delich said. What he lacked, she supplied. And it is safe to say that what she lacked, he supplied. For life in common requires mutual help. Then we see how Eve is created, verses 21 and 22. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs, 
closed up its flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to man. I, I like what Matthew Henry says about the fact that the woman was taken out of the, the side. I, I like to listen to what Matthew Henry says. She was not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be loved. Isn't that good? You can quote that on Valentine's Day. <laughs> and I love the reaction of Adam, Genesis 2.23. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. And then God gives us the blueprint for marriage. No matter what the laws of the land say, this is what God's law says that the blueprint for marriage is. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is God's design for marriage. It doesn't matter what the government says. Some people say to me, well, Tiberius, we cannot legislate morality. That is true. But what we have done in this country for the past few years, we have legislated immorality. That's what we have done. And yet, if we want to go back to what God says, we have to go back to what the Bible says. And this is God's design. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one, one flesh. And lastly, we are created to rest. Uh, chapter 2 starts like this, the seventh, with the seventh day. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he has done in creation. See, God stops from his creating activities. And he says, as I cease, you also have to cease. You can work six days, but you should take off a seventh day. I know that in America, it's you work five days and you take two off, right? No, some of you work 24 seven, right? Do not raise your hands, it's okay. Uh, you can confess and repent later. But this is not the rest I'm talking about. Later in the gospel, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you what? Rest. See, there's a rest that comes only from having that correct relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4, starting in verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from all his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Listen to the words of Jesus. Come to me, all who will labor on heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. If you're sick and tired about being sick and tired, surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And the only rest you can have is in Him. It's that rest that comes from knowing that you are not saved because of what you do. You're saved because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And that's so you can have peace. And you can have rest. And you can rest in that uh, assurance.
Uh, I loved all the songs that we sang uh, today, and I loved the new, these new songs, especially this, uh, the special that you did today. What, what a song. What, what a song. And I put that in the car, and I put it loud when I'm by myself. I put it as loud as I can. You will hold me fast. That gives me rest because I don't have to fight. God will give me rest. So let's stand together and sing another good old hymn. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. Let's stand together.